And we are so excited to announce something brand new here at Bayshore Community Church. Available now on any of the app stores, either Apple or Android or even Amazon, is the exciting Bayshore Church app for your mobile device. Now this app is chock full of content for you to use to engage with Bayshore. There's a sermon archive where you can browse past messages from both campuses. There's ways for you to sign up for classes, for events, for small groups. There's events calendars so that you don't miss anything that's happening. There's even a Bible reading section where you can get daily updates on where we are reading in the Bible. Also, this app has a great new giving feature, a very sleek and efficient way to easily give anytime you like and also have reoccurring gifts. So be sure to check out our app. You can go to bayshorecc.org slash app. That's bayshorecc.org slash app. And find links to download the Bayshore Church app. Well, good morning, everybody. We are um, in the series where we're studying the book of Acts. Actually, we're calling this series The Church. Uh, and um, basically what the book of Acts is, it's, it's Luke's second edition. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then he wrote the Gospel, wrote the book of Acts, and the book of Acts is about what Jesus continued to do through the church. So we are the hands and feet of Jesus in this world that we live in. So uh, the book of Luke is basically what Jesus did while he was on the earth, and the book of Acts is what Jesus continues to do through the church. So that's what the book of Acts is about. Now, last week's message was very important. If you missed last week's message, you can always catch up and go to our website, and watch it, uh, or get it through podcasts. Uh, uh, and uh, people last week watched us uh, our, our Facebook Live message last week during our services here. We had people watching, and uh, uh, it was really cool. We had one person watching in Penn Station, New York City, uh, that watched us and sent us a comment on the message. We had s- people from New Jersey that were watching, people that were still in New Jersey, not people that have come here, people that are still in New Jersey were watching us. And we had uh, Sebring, Florida watching us. And so we want to welcome our Facebook community that's watching us this morning as well. But uh, we are uh, in this series. And last week's message was very important because uh, it was on the resurrection of Jesus, the one message, the one sermon topic in the book of Acts. Every sermon is about the resurrection of Jesus and, um, and how important that was. And we talked about the uh, validity of the resurrection that changes everything. So if you missed last week's message, you want to you listen to that, because that was really, really important to understand the whole New Testament. Now, this morning, we're going to talk about um, the second major thing that happened in the book of Acts. The first thing was the apostles experienced the resurrection. The second major thing is the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The coming of the Holy Spirit. This was a... This was a uh, magical moment for the church. This, this was a mega moment when the Holy Spirit came. I don't know if you think about mega moments in your life, when something, a moment that changes everything. You ever think about that? A moment that changes everything. Um, I was thinking about uh, American Idol. Karen and I watched American Idol this year. Uh, I know it's sort of out of vogue to watch American Idol, but we watched it uh, this year, really, really enjoyed it. 
uh, and the gal that I really liked uh, throughout the competition uh, won the uh, American Idol, Maddie Poppy. Here's a picture of Maddie Poppy when she won uh, the American Idol. And a wonderful gal, very simple. She wasn't filled with thr frills or whatever, but she won the American uh, Idol. And I've been listening to her on Spotify. Love her music, very simple. And uh, Maddie Poppy's just really, really great. And I think she's going to do really, really great things. And you'll probably hear about Maddie Poppy in the, in the future. She's just really, really amazing singer. And um, she had a little uh, romance with uh, one of the other guys that uh, on the stage, actually the other guy that almost won. And uh, so that's interesting uh, in and of itself. But do you remember when Carrie Underwood won American Idol? That was season uh, five, I think. Carrie Underwood. How many know who Carrie Underwood is? You know who Carrie Underwood is? I mean, everybody knows Carrie Underwood is. Carrie Underwood, you know, pretty blonde, great voice and all that. And Carrie Underwood, when she won American Idol, here's, I think we have a picture of her winning American Idol. Here's a picture of her winning. And here's Carrie Underwood and whoever this guy is. Nobody remembers him anymore. But this, Carrie Underwood, won the American Idol. And uh, Ryan Seacrest is like, too bad, buddy. Uh, anyhow, but Carrie Underwood won the American Idol. Do you know what? Carrie Underwood's net worth is today? Her net worth is $85 million. $85 million. She's won seven Grammys and she sold uh, 64 million albums worldwide. Magical moment that changed everything. Magical moment. Mega moment that completely changed everything. And the coming of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts is like that. It's a mega moment that changed everything for the disciples. The disciples go from uh, being filled with fear, they experience the resurrection, and the, the experience of the resurrection coupled with the coming of the Holy Spirit helped them to change the world, helped them to change the world. It was a mega moment. And, the, and it's interesting that Jesus told the disciples, when they saw him at his ascension, go back to heaven. Uh, they had been given a commission by Jesus in Matthew chapter 28. Let me just uh, read that to you, Matthew 28. Let's put that on the screen, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. This was their, their mission. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Next verse. Therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Make disciples of all nations. Let's think about the magnitude of that mission. That mission is huge. We're talking about uneducated, untrained fishermen who did not have computers, did not have airplanes, did not have cars. We have, we have these just blue-collar, simple, uneducated men that are given the mission of making disciples of all nations. The word nation there is ethnos, which means ethnic group. Reach every ethnic group. So they have this big mission that's bigger than them. You know how you know you hear God, that God really has something He's saying to you? It's bigger than you are. Whenever God tells you to do something, it's always bigger than you are. It's always more than you could ever do on your own. So that was their 
job description to make disciples of all nations. Let me just pause here, take a little sidebar here, to make disciples of all nations. It's interesting that they are to go and make disciples, not converts. They're to go to make disciples, not converts. Let, let, me, just, let me make this extremely clear to us. We are not about making converts at Bayshore. Just getting people to say a prayer, invite Jesus into their heart, and wait to go to heaven. The mission of the church was never to make converts. The mission of the church was to make disciples. The word disciple is mathetes, where we get our word math from, and it simply means a pupil, someone that learns and applies what they learn. So our mission at Bayshore is not simply to get people to pray a prayer and come into the kingdom of God, but our mission is for people to be discipled and to change and to become different people through the process of the Holy Spirit and studying God's Word. A disciple is different than a convert, and we aren't... uh, I think about, you know, sometimes I think the church is viewed as sort of like an airport terminal. You know what you do at an airport terminal? At an airport airport terminal, you're waiting to go somewhere. How many love hanging out at the airport? I mean, you're just hanging there waiting to go somewhere. The church is not where we're waiting to go to heaven. It's where we're learning and we're growing and our lives are being changed and reformed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit and the study of God's Word. And so the disciples, the the apostles were called to make disciples, pupils that were learning, constantly learning. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm continually learning, continually growing. I haven't arrived yet. I'm still a disciple. I'm still a pupil. Although I'm teaching God's Word today, I'm here to tell you, I am a student. I'm a learner. Jesus is still changing me. He's still making me different. I'm learning new things in His Word every day. And so I'll be a student until either Jesus comes back or I die. Say this with me. I will always be a disciple until I go to heaven. So that's the process. We're constantly, constantly growing. And two things uh, will help you with your graduation. Uh, if you ha- here's how you graduate from, becoming, from being a mathetes, being a disciple. Uh, two things. One is you die. And at that moment, that process of discipleship that's been going on on the earth where you've been studying God's Word, you've been growing, that process at death... Uh, you're glorified and you're changed. And I love what uh, Ruth Graham put on her grave, uh, had put on her, on her tombstone, and I've showed it to you before. We'll take this down a minute and put Ruth Graham. How many know who Ruth Graham is? Ruth Graham is Billy Graham's uh, wife, and uh, she's got something written in Chinese up here, and I'm not sure what it is. She was a daughter of Chinese missionaries. So there's a Chinese emblem up here. But then Ruth Graham, uh, Graham Bell, and uh, she says, construction complete construction complete. Thanks for your patience. Just say this with me. I am still under construction. A disciple. Let's put Matthew back on the screen if you would. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. That was their mission. The apostles had that mission. And that mission is huge. And that mission included every ethnic group, every nation, 
And so when you think about these disciples, their mission was bigger than they could ever perform on their own. So what is the day of Pentecost about? What is Pentecost about? Let's, uh, let's look at uh, how this is reaffirmed uh, in, in the teaching of Scripture here. What's reaffirmed in, in this is in Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter 1, Jesus tells them to go back and wait uh, in Jerusalem. Here, verse uh, 7 and 8, Acts uh, verse 1, 7 through 8. He says, that, uh, says to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates of the Father has set by his own authority. They're asking about the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. Next verse. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. So that's Acts chapter uh, 7 and 8. So you'll be my witnesses. So Jesus reaffirms the mission here. He reaffirms the mission. The mission is that you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in your, uh, your hometown, then Judea, then Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. So he's actually reaffirming, before he goes back to heaven, he's reaffirming what he told them in Matthew, uh, and here we have that reiterated. But then he says to them in, in Acts chapter 1-3, I think Acts chapter 1-3 says uh, that for them to go and wait, uh, Acts 1-3, is that, you guys have that? Uh, after his suffering, he presented himself to many, gave themselves convincing proofs. Uh, that's not it. But anyhow, it's, uh, it's in there somewhere. Uh, Acts chapter 1 says that uh, he told them to go back and wait in Jerusalem until they're endued with power. Now, here's what I think. I think that when you're uh, in the process of facing a big job, you have a big mission, and this mission is bigger than you are, and, and, when you, and for me, when I have a big job to do, what I want to do is I want to right away tackle that mission. I want to right away dive into that and try to get that done because I don't want to procrastinate. How many don't like anything hanging over your head? I don't like things hanging over my head. And so for me, if I've got to win the whole world and that's my mission, if Jesus said, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every ethnic group, every nation, then I, I want to get on with it. I want to start. But he told them to go to Jerusalem to wait, to wait until the Holy Spirit endued them with power. So they had to go and they had to wait until the Holy Spirit uh, came and filled them with power. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, we get a picture uh, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. The next verse. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Next verse. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. In verse 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The word enabled there basically is the word to be given something. That they were given the ability to do something they could not normally do. They were given the ability to perform something they could not do beforehand. So when it says, um, as the Spirit enabled them, they began to speak in other tongues 
as the Spirit enabled them. The key word there, the operative word, is enable them, that the Holy Spirit gave them the ability to do something that they normally could not do on their own. Now, uh, next verse. I think there's, we got verse 5 as well. Do we have next verse? Uh, now they were standing in Jerusalem, confessing uh, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Do we have the next verse, verse 6? When they heard the sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each of them heard their, their own language being spoken. And uh, the next verse. I'll apologize. Maybe I didn't give you all that verse. Verse uh, 7. Oh, utterly amazed they asked, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? And then the, we have the next verse. Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native tongues? Each of them hear uh, them speaking in our own native tongues. And that lists all the different uh, ethnic groups. Now, here's what's, here's what's important about this, this uh, story. What's important is, is the Spirit enabled them to do something they normally could not do. They were endowed with ability from God to do what they could not do, and they began to speak in tongues. Now, here's what is interesting. Here's a very important thing for us to understand about the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost here, we're not talking about people speaking in mysterious languages. In this text, what we have is we have in other places in the Bible, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, we have these unknown tongues that are mentioned in the New Testament. But in this story, what's important for us to understand is in this story, they were speaking in known languages of the places they were supposed to go and evangelize. So they were speaking in the language of the people that Jesus had said to them in Matthew 28 and in Acts chapter 1, that they were speaking in languages that matched up with the people that they were called to speak to uh, from the commission or the mission that Jesus gave them in the beginning. So this is what's interesting. Here's the cool thing about the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost shows us we have disciples that are incapable of completing their mission. They, they don't have the ability to do what God is asking them to do. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes and helps them and endows them with the ability to speak in the languages of the people that they're going to reach. So what is the message there? The message in the day of Pentecost is we're incapable, incompetent, we're not able to do what we ought to do, what we need to do, and the Holy Spirit comes to help us, enable us to do what we are supposed to do. So that's the cool thing about the, the day of Pentecost. The message is certainly this. The message is, is the Holy Spirit has come to help us and enable us to do what we can't do on our own. That's it. That's what the day of Pentecost is about. That's what the message is about. The message of Acts 2 is, is they're given this mega, mega mission, this mega thing to do, and it's bigger than they are, and it's huge, and it's beyond their reach, and they're to reach every nation, they're to reach every ethnic group, and they can't do that on their own. And so they go to, they go to the day of Pentecost, they go into Jerusalem, and they wait, they're waiting to be empowered to do what they couldn't do on their own. And that's the big message. That's really, really cool. And they begin to speak in not, not unknown tongues, 
The day of Pentecost is not about unknown tongues. The day of Pentecost is about known tongues. And they spoke the glory of God. So the message is this. As I read over the day of Pentecost and looked at it, what is the big message in the story? The big message is that God can help us do what we could not do unless he helped us. So that's the message. That's the clear message. Um, how many have ever tried to learn uh, how many have ever tried to learn a foreign language? Here, have you ever tried to learn a foreign language? Uh, maybe some of you are bilingual. Um, I took two years of uh, Spanish in, uh, high, uh, in, not in high school. I did take Spanish in high school and French. I kept looking for the language that was easier. And uh, so I, uh, when I got to the University of Delaware, I took two years of Spanish and uh, two years of studying Spanish under a senior Ernie. And I, I remember doing those monologues, getting up in front of the class and having to speak in Spanish. And she always says the same thing every time. You've never had Spanish before, have you? <laughs> and I was doing my best to try to communicate in Spanish. And so I did my best. And I think people that learn foreign languages, that's a wonderful thing. But we have this miracle. We have this miracle in the day of Pentecost where people that did not normally know that language were endowed by the Holy Spirit to speak in a language they had not hitherto learned, and this is probably a one-moment thing that happened, but God is teaching them a lesson. The lesson is, is I'm going to help you to do what you could not do on your own. And the message is, you can't, but you and the Holy Spirit can. The message of Pentecost is, you can't, but you and the Holy Spirit can. You can't, but you and the Holy Spirit can. Maybe you're put in a position, maybe you know, you're in a new place in life, you've got new kids, maybe you just had another baby, you got a, you know, you're over your head. How many have ever been over your head? Just over your head. You just are over your head. You can't pull off where you are. You know, you had that second child, you're doing okay, and then you had the third child. Like uh, Jim Gaffney, that comedian, said, you know, when you had that third child, it's like you're, you're holding two babies and you're drowning and somebody throws you another kid. <laughs> so you're, you're over your head. And you say to yourself, I can't do this. It's too much for me. I can't do it. That's right, you can't. You can't, but you and the Holy Spirit can. Say this with me, I can't, but me and the Holy Spirit can. That's the message of Pentecost. You can't do this. You can't reach all these nations. You can't do it. You can't. It's impossible for you to do it. But you and my Spirit can. Maybe you're in a new job, way over your head. You don't know what you're doing. Don't know what you're doing. You are way, way out there, and you don't know how you're going to do it. I'm here to tell you what the, what the day of Pentecost teaches. The day of Pentecost teaches this. The day of Pentecost teaches that you can't, but you and the Holy Spirit can. You can't, but you and the Holy Spirit can. Say this with me. I can't, but me and the Holy Spirit can. 
Maybe you're in a really, really hard time. You are going through a really, really, really hard time. I mean, things aren't good. And you're coming to church. You drug yourself to church today. You came here. And things are bad. Things aren't good. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your life. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe you're discouraged. You're at a place and you say, I can't. I can't go another day. I can't do this. I can't handle this. You're right, you can't. But Pentecost teaches you can't, but you and the Holy Spirit can. Karen, and I, Karen went to see a lady in our church uh, this week in the hospital, uh, Eunice Goten, wonderful we love Eunice. She has cancer. Eunice is probably watching right now. Eunice, we love you, and our church is praying for you. Karen went to see Eunice. Eunice is in hospital going through cancer treatments, and she's just having a rough time. But Karen said she walked in that room, and Eunice had grace on her, and Eunice had a smile on her face, and God is helping Eunice. And you, we look at Eunice, and we say, how can she do this? How can she make this? How can she go through all the treatment she's going through? But here's the, the miracle and the message of Pentecost is that we are put in situations where we can't, but we and the Holy Spirit can. Say it with me. I can't, but me and the Holy Spirit can. The disciples go to the world, preach the gospel to every nation. They can't do that. They can't do that. They're not smart enough to do that. They don't have enough smarts to do that. They don't have enough sophistication to do that. But the Holy Spirit comes and shows them on the day of Pentecost. They begin to speak in the languages of the people they're supposed to reach. And the message is, is that they have been endowed by the Holy Spirit to do what they normally could not do. How about this one? How about this one? I can't live the Christian life. There's people that listen to me preach. There's people here today that are on the fringes of becoming a Christian, and they say, I'm not going to become a Christian because I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm, I'm not going to become a Christian until I know I can live it. Well, you will never become a Christian because nobody in this world can live the Christian life. You can't live holy. You can't live righteous by yourself. It's impossible. Paul said it in the book of Romans. He says, the thing I want to do, I don't do. And the things I wish I didn't do, I do. He's talking about what he could do in his own flesh. And then chapter 8 of Romans, he says, but the power of the Spirit set me free from the law of liberty, or set me free from the law of sin and death. You can't. You can't live the Christian life. You can't live it. You can't live it. You can't, you can't do it. it. It's impossible to live right when you leave here on Sunday. It's impossible. It's not about the Christian life. It is not about gritting your teeth and holding on and trying harder, and I'm going to be a better Christian, and I'm going to quit lying, I'm going to quit lusting, I'm going to quit living better, or quit living bad, I'm going to do better, I'm going to do better, uh, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I'm going to try, I'm going to try. That is not what the Christian life is. The Christian life is admitting that you cannot. Do you know, listen to this, 
Do you know what the day of Pentecost represents? It's, in the, it's, a, it's a holiday in the Jewish, uh, Jewish calendar. It's a holiday that celebrates the completion of the barley, uh, barley harvest and the beginning of the wheat harvest. It's a, it's a holiday. But, uh, and it's 50 days over after Passover. The word Pentecost actually means 50. 50 days after Pentecost. Do you know what, do you, listen to this, do you know what Pentecost represented in the minds of the Jews? In the minds of the Jews, Pentecost was the day that Moses went on Mount Sinai and received the law, the Ten Commandments. If you ask any Jewish person, what is Pentecost? Pentecost was the day was the date, was the time of the year that Moses went on Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, and he came down with the Ten Commandments. And, of course, the first time he came down for the Ten Commandments, he saw the people partying, and they were partying in the camp, and he threw the Ten Commandments. And what does that mean? Through the Ten Commandments that God wrote with his own finger. What does that illustrate? It illustrates that everybody in the camp had broken that law. So we had to go back up there on the mountain and get another, another set. God had to get the copier going, get another set. So if Pentecost, listen to this, if Pentecost represents the day that Moses got the law and the message that the disciples are getting and learning, the lesson they're learning is the Holy Spirit helps them to do what they cannot do on their own, then when the law was given on the same day that Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, what does that teach us? It teaches us that the Holy Spirit has, helped, has come to help us do what we normally could not do on our own. The Holy Spirit has helped, come to help us change, become more like Jesus, to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to help us, to change us, to revolutionize us, and it's through the, the coming of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit teaches us this principle. The Holy Spirit teaches us that I have come to help you do what you cannot do. I can't keep the law. I can't live right. I can't, I can't act right. I can't live the Christian life. And anybody that says, I'm not going to become a Christian until I become perfect, what is that? That's all about pride. It's all about you being better than everybody else. You're not going to be like all these other hypocrites. So you're not going to really serve the Lord until you can just, you can do it right on your own. And I'm just here to tell you, you can never do it all right on your own. You can only do it when the Holy Spirit comes in you and helps you to do what you can't do. You can't do it, but the Holy Spirit in you helps you to do what you can't do. And although you can't do it, you and the Holy Spirit can do it. What's it called? What's, what's being like Jesus called in the New Testament? It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Let's go to Galatians 6 real quick, and I, I'm not, I don't have a lot more here. Galatians 6, uh, Galatians 6, um, uh, Galatians 5, Galatians 6, is it Galatians 5, Galatians 6? Um, you got Galatians, here we go. But the fruit, everybody say this, but the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, but the fruit of, what's that word? 
And that's uppercase, which means it's the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. And if you got somebody you can't forgive, that you don't love, and you say, I can't, I can't love them, I can't forgive them, the Holy Spirit says to you, it's the fruit of the Spirit. You can't forgive them. You can't let that go. But you and the Holy Spirit can. You and the Holy Spirit can. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And it lists all these virtues of what it means to, what it means to follow Jesus and follow, follow the Lord. So the, the message of Pentecost and the message of Acts chapter 2 is just, when you boil it down to what it's really about, it's about the Spirit enabling us, the Spirit helping us to do what we normally could not do. And it's like an eagle. An eagle is a bird that, that doesn't flap its wings real hard. It's not always trying to, uh, you know, with effort try to fly. But an eagle high, can fly higher than any, any other bird, and it gets up in the heavenlies, and the thermals, the, the warm air, gets under the wings of the eagle, and the eagle soars. So when you think about what the Holy Spirit does in our life, the Holy Spirit comes under us to help us, to keep us, sustain us, and to help us do what we normally could not do. So say this with me. Uh, I can't, I cannot, but me and the Holy Spirit can. It's all about that. That's what the, that's what the Pentecost was about. Jesus said to those disciples, go there and wait. Sit there and wait until you're endued with power. And when the Holy Spirit came, they were enabled they were enabled, they were given the ability to speak in the languages of the people that they were called to reach. And the message that Jesus was teaching his apostles was, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not by might, and it's not by power. It's not by effort. It's not by determination. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And I just, I love that principle. So if you're going, you're going through a hard time and you say, you can't, I can't, I can't. That's not, that's not the message of Pentecost. The message of Pentecost is the Holy Spirit is going to help you to do what you can't do. The Holy Spirit is going to help you to achieve what you cannot do. When I came up here back, uh, back in 1981, I had three sermons, four sermons. They weren't that good either. I had four sermons, and uh, this one's maybe not the best one either, but I, I remember... Um, coming up here and thinking, i got to preach 52 Sundays a year. That's a lot of stuff to make up. You know what I mean? I mean, they didn't even have podcasts then. You could listen to podcasts you know, now and get a sermon. 
Boy, they didn't even have that then. So I was, that old building we're getting ready to tear down. I used to walk in there, and I'd study my brains out, and I would walk out on this highway in front of the church. There were hardly anybody comes to Gumbro on Saturday night, so I'd walk on the highway, and I'd just pray. And I, I discovered this principle that I can't. But he and I can. I can't, but he and I can. I was reading about this, uh, this guy by the name of... Uh, 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 Ira Yates, and I'll close with this. Ira Yates was, um, uh, this guy lived in West Texas. And he was, uh, he had a farm that he lived on, a ranch. And um, he was poor. He raised sheep and couldn't, he couldn't make it. And uh, he was getting government subsidies to make it. And he just year after year, hand to mouth. One day, um, these oil contractors came and wanted to dig what's called a wildcat well on his property. And that's a, basically an experimental well. And about 1,500 feet, uh, 1,115 uh, feet down, they struck a huge oil reserve. And that one well produced 80,000 barrels of well a day. They quickly discovered other wells, and the other wells produced more oil than the, that original Yates well, some 125,000 barrels a day. And that's been 30, that was after 30 years, the, the smallest well on the Yates ranch produced uh, 80,000 barrels a day, and they estimate that there's still billions of barrels under the Yates farm. And you can study it. Here's a picture of when they discovered the oil on that farm. And they're, they're digging, and this poor man lived, under, uh, lived on this, this ranch. And he was hand-to-mouth. He was poor. He couldn't make it. But when they dug that well and they hit that oil, all of a sudden he realized he had been living in ignorance all that time. That underneath of him were all the resources that he would ever need. And underneath of you this morning, to live the Christian life, to do what you're currently doing that seems overly challenging, Whatever it is that you're facing, you have more than enough resources to do what the Lord has called you to do. So I want to ask you to, to lift your hands to the Lord this morning. And, and as you lift your hands to the Lord, and uh, we're going to have a closing prayer. As you lift your hands to the Lord, just say, Lord, I just thank you that I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. I have the Spirit of God inside of me to help me to do what I normally could not do. Lord, we thank you that this morning that we are part of the great church, the kingdom of God, this great church that's filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the ability of God, filled with the capability of the Spirit of God. And we thank you, Lord, as we go into this new week that we uh, are a part of Pentecost. We're a part of a people of, that are, of faith that have been filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the grace of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we just ask you to fill us in a fresh way with your Spirit. We ask, we open up our hearts, we humble ourselves in your sight. 
We're not going to be filled with pride, uh, determining that we can do things in our self-effort. But Lord God, we're going to surrender ourselves to you and allow your Holy Spirit to help us through and in the situation we're in. We thank you, Lord, for your amazing love and your amazing grace. We ask this, Lord, in the name of Jesus and everybody said amen. amen.